0: This is Junk Food Cinema. Hi, this is Dick Miller. You're listening to Junk Food Cinema on Film School Rejects. Who are these guys?
1: The planet! It's time for Junk Food whoa, Cinema. Whoa, whoa. Hack the planet! Hack the planet! Hack the planet! You know, God isn't up this late, but yeah, we are. We are. Because we are your weekly cult and exploitation film cast right here on Filmschoolrejects.com. I am Brian, and he is... Uh, Lieutenant Omega Force Cargill. I was trying to think of a hack... We need hacker nicknames. Uh, uh, Steak Pliskin. I think I've got mine. Steak Pliskin. I think that's, and, that's pretty uh, solid. Um, I, I, massive I mean, Massive Burn. Massive Berm? Massive worm. Massive worm. Yeah, I like that. We're gonna go with massive that's, worm. That's
0: my '90s. You know, actually, if, if if we went full '90s, I would actually be Space Cowboy.
1: You should like. I'd have to. 90s. I'd
0: have to do the film reference in there. I would be Space Cowboy. We don't have enough leather pants to go full '90s. Uh, this movie isn't full '90s, and that's kind of what's glorious about it. But we will get into we that will, we after will. some business.
1: After some business, and that business includes reminding you that if you like the show, you can find our entire back catalog on. This thing called the internet. Don't be scared of it. I know it's new. I know it's an uncharted territory. It is a series of tubes. It is. It is. Uh, it is towers. It is basically Mega City One from Judge Dredd, but in digital Holy form. Shit is it? It really is. But you can navigate through all of those towers and find on Stitcher and on iTunes, our entire back catalog. Feel free to indulge in that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Junk Food Cinema and like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Junk Food Cinema. And if you really like the show... like you really, really like us... If you're a massive fan of the show, you can actually support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Junk Food Cinema. That's how we keep the lights on. That's how we keep our... Our 156k RAM computers, where we,
0: (laughs) where we make episodes just for you, just Just for for our patrons.
1: Yes, we do. We actually uh, not only had a bonus episode last week, I also added the newest taste test to that. Someone forced Mm. me to watch Rotor. Oh, oh, fuck that! Yeah, wow. It's like Robocop with an eighth of the budget, filmed in Dallas. Yes, you're welcome, as opposed to Houston. As opposed to Houston, where the actual world was, was Yeah, it's it's the first time I would choose Houston over Dallas. No, you know what? That's a shit. That's a that's a shitty coin flip. No matter how you how you slice it. Anyway, this week we are in fact uh, hacking the planet. We're hacking
0: the planet. It's about fucking time we got the hackers. Hidden beneath the world we know is the world they inhabit. They're hackers. Hackers penetrate and ravage private and publicly owned computer systems. Hack- the planet
1: planet! it's not just something they do sure this sweet machine's not going to waste are you challenging me it's who they are they can
0: crack any code and get inside any system hello mr gill according to our records you're dead I'm what? But this time Come here, look at this They just hacked the wrong guy Game's over Whoever wrote this needs somebody to take the fall He's about to commit the perfect computer crime You've created a virus that's gonna cause a worldwide disaster? And they're about to take the blame Okay, let's nail it no, you're not good enough to beat me. Yeah, maybe I'm not, but we are. They're the only ones who can prevent a catastrophe. Hackers of the world unite. United Artists welcomes you to the new world. Damn. Hackers. This has oh. been on the short list forever. That shortlist
1: is not short. I thought that last week when we did Empire Records that we were tapping into the most 90s movie of all
0: time. Oh no, we are we are
1: tapping into two of the most 90s movies of all time. And this definitely is one of them. Um I'm not even sure I need to tell you what Hackers is about because it's called fucking Hackers. Yes. But uh it is it does bear mentioning how we saw this movie this evening.
0: Well, yeah, this is one of those, like, once a year, you and I find a movie that, that is playing at the Draft House that we've been meaning to and talking about covering. And it's like, hey, it's fucking playing. Let's go see a movie, have a couple of drinks, and come back and do the episode. And sure enough, we saw this big on the fucking big screen. Yes, yeah, we
1: did. We saw it at the Alamo Draft House with plenty of booze. I mean, the way it was intended to be seen.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think they actually intended that because there wasn't an Alamo. No, dot no, no. It was intended. When softly made
1: this. If if they can project the future in this film as they do to include an internet that features uh, just skyscrapers and city streets, it's it's like that weird narration at the beginning of Tron Legacy where Jeff Bridges is like, "I tried to picture the the internet as a as streets and motorcycles running through it." It's like, yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know, Jeff Bridges because that's hackers that's what
0: hackers thinks the internet is well okay so here's the essential thing that we need to begin with there's a reason why i have there are many reasons why i've held this close to my heart for so long as a film but the thing about this film in particular is that this film is very much like the warriors in fact i consider it the sister the spiritual sister film to the warriors Um, Wow. The the Warriors. Well, follow me here. And this is this is essential. The Warriors is a movie in which there was a a profound thing happening in the youth culture. It was a criminal thing happening in the youth culture. And someone said, let's make a movie about it. And they gave it to a director who had a very interesting visionary sense and tried to peer into the future and see what the future was going to look like. And they peered a few years into the future and in The Warriors they peered into the future and said, well, this is what's happening in disco culture. We think this is going to flow over into gang culture and gang culture is going to be about originality. And what you end up with is this very lean, mean film that doesn't look anything like what actually happened. Like that version of New York never came to pass. Um, it is just just a version of gang culture that is so silly and so off the mark that you can't help but fall in love with it. And that's what Hackers is. Hackers was Ian softly instead of Walter Hill saying, this is what's going on in music culture, this is what's going on in teen culture, and this is where I think hacker culture is going to go. And he, he, he veered into this future that doesn't look... Anything like what fucking computers look like doesn't look at nobody ever dressed the way that they dress in this film. Yeah, Um, nobody talked the way they talk in this film. Like everything about this movie misses the mark culturally. Yeah, except that as a film, it hits everything it's going for in terms of storytelling. And so it is a film that you are deep into with these kids. On their crazy fucking mission, in their crazy fucking world, and you don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, it it kind of reminds me, honestly, of the way the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie
0: uh, presented runaway culture. You or mean orphan with culture? tiny little Sam Rockwell hanging out at the Regular- uh, the, the skateboarding in the indoor skateboarding park? Because that's
1: what orphans did. They went to giant indoor skate parks and stole cigarettes from... They, it, and hung out with Sam Rockwell. because It was like that movie depicted orphan culture the way that like Oliver Twist did, where it was like, Shredder was Fagin, and he was just running this band of little pickpockets, right? And that complete misunderstanding of its own subject matter is at the heart of Hackers. And it, if Empire Records is a dated movie for the 90s, this fucking thing is carbon dated. Like... <laughs> The fashion and the music and the, like I said, just the gross misunderstanding of the internet and and what's crazy about that and what I the the epic swing and a miss of this movie is something I find so charming because this is not a lazy film. This is not made by people so out of touch that like they didn't care what they were putting on screen. These guys went out and studied hacker culture. All of the handles from all of the characters in this movie are based on real hackers. Yeah. The um the Gibson, which is like the big uh, MacGuffin of the movie
0: is based upon the guy who t-
1: who coined the term cyberspace. Yeah, William Gibson. William no, Gibson.
0: The guy who created Cyberpunk. Um uh, a guy who famously walked out of Blade Runner 20 minutes in because it was too close to the epic opus he was working on, <laughs> a, fel- uh, a book called Neuromancer. <laughs> um Do you think he did that with this movie too? Like, oh, this is too close to everything I've No, no this was this was after he had like hit and done all of his big stuff. I I mean, William Gibson's still around. Uh, He's a fucking genius. But yeah, no, William Gibson created so many of the terms that would then become used on the internet. He created internet. He created web. Wait, Al Gore didn't invent that? No, Al okay. Gore did not invent the internet. Uh, he created web. Uh, <laughs> he created the term hacker. He coined so many of these terms that didn't exist beforehand. Um, and they actually go into one of... They They actually drop a couple of those references in the movie where they'll refer to keyboard cowboys in a line that sounds really funny unless you know that this guy is actually quoting William Gibson at this point.
1: And on top of that, the writer, the director, some of the cast, they went to... New York City, uh, twenty six hundred, which was a monthly hangout for the local hacker community,
0: they researched the shit out of it and still got it this wrong. Well, again, this is this is what happens when you have all the right information and you think. Uh, uh, Culture is going in one direction instead of the other because that's exactly what they did with gang culture in the Mm. Warriors. Yeah, they just were like we think this individuality push is going to go into the 90s or into the 80s. And what happened in the 80s instead is we became more homogenized. We swung back Mm. because, uh, you know, cultures on a pendulum. And it goes back and forth, and we had gone so into individuality and we're so different that the 80s became about becoming the same. That first our parents, the yuppies, became the same. And then that trickled down into us, the kids all wanting to look exactly the same, which is how you got silly late 80s, early 90s um, uh, uh, fashion. Uh, And this is thinking, hey, we're going to go back into that again. We're going to hit this. This grunge thing that's going on. Like, keep in mind that grunge was just exploding when this happened. So much so that the, you know, director Ian Softley thought it would be really cool to have a Nirvana poster on the wall of Johnny Lee Miller
1: and call at the beginning when Johnny Miller is hacking says uh, this is uh, Eddie Vetter from, from accounting accounting. Yeah, so.
0: this is yeah, it's because this is all just happening and nobody knew that grunge was going to become what it was. And they thought this was going to become more of a digital cyberpunk era. And so they made a cyberpunk movie and we never hit cyberpunk. Yeah. And it and that's kind of what's fascinating about this film is just how, mu- how widely they missed the mark mm-hmm. in a movie that otherwise hits everything it's aiming for. I feel like
1: this movie is to the Internet what something like. Death Wish Two is to punk culture. It's just like <laughs> you don't quite get it at all, but you tried so hard. They did so much research and they still got it this wrong, to the point that the graphics when they show what the quote unquote internet looks like, it's it makes the Lawnmower man look like Avatar. It is <laughs> fucking that is not true. It's pretty true. It's it's pretty close. It's like it's like an extended episode of reboot. Like, no, no, It's
0: more like thing. it's more like all of the intros and bumpers from Night Flight is yes, what it that's, really. Dude, that's what I said to you during the movie. No, I know that's why I was I was waiting for you to go
1: there and you this, didn't go there, so I, I took. We're it. six minutes into the episode. Could you wait till twenty before you steal my material? No. no the, <laughs> The thing is, it's not it's not stealing. It's the internet. It's not stealing when we've been drinking. It's, it's slash R. Um, <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, I, I, this is a movie that one of the things I love about it is that it is terrified. Like some movies lack subtext, this movie's terrified of it to the point that like you will see two characters like. Both the, both of them are trying to hack the same code and you're like, oh, they're having a duel. But before your brain in the split second can formulate that thought on its own, the movie's like, no, no, we got you. Don't worry. And it cuts to like footage of two people sword fighting, footage of two uh, gunfighters shooting at each other. And it's like, oh, thank you. This movie is edited by fucking Night Flight because it's just a series of stock footage to fill in the gaps so that you don't have to think.
0: Yes, but at the same time, that's fair because this movie is throwing a lot of information at an audience, information we didn't have. Like, if you go back and watch, there's a number of great YouTube videos from this era. Like, ra- last week alone, we dropped a reference to the Microsoft video made by the Friends. Yes. Um, if you go back and watch the Today Show episode, the famous Today Show episode where the Trump same year. What's that? What's that A symbol with the circle around it? What's that? Yes, like, like they didn't know what the ad symbol was. Nobody, because we didn't know, because this wasn't really we in culture. Didn't know. We knew computers were a thing that you typed into, but they were they were s things were happening so quickly, and the internet had just happened. Like people don't realize. There was no real access to the internet before 1994, and it wasn't until people discovered the Y2K virus that a number of companies were like, shit, we need to update our computers now, and we need to get them in before this happens, and everybody wanted to to redo their their computers and get the more up-to-date computers, and all those computers came with modems that, that had access to the internet, and all of a sudden, an entire culture had something completely new happening, and nobody really knew how to explain it. You know, you had a bunch of us teenage nerds who had hung out on BBS systems for a long time and got the little in-jokes about, you know, um, uh, the baud rates, uh, the the beautiful baud, as they say. My God,
1: it's made of baud.
0: A reference that doesn't even make sense anymore. Half the references in this movie don't make sense anymore. I know, Um, But but so they're trying to explain all of this to people and they're asking the audience to digest a lot of information and to bring it back around when you're asking the audience to digest a lot of stuff in movies like The Matrix. You gotta be simple with everything else so that everyone else is following along while their brain is chewing on all the big ideas. And this is trying to explain why what these kids are doing is wrong Mm -hmm. and why what the people are doing in the companies are so wrong that the hackers ultimately they're doing wrong becomes turns them into Robin Hood and turns them into the heroes of the film. And that's essential and that in 1994 and 1995 is not easy to explain to my mom and dad. So this movie <laughs> this movie does a very good job of explaining people who have never heard of the internet what the Fuck the Internet is while also showing all these glorious colors and yeah. and and doing a lot of symbolic representation. You know, the yeah. the best thing is that the garbage file, the infamous garbage file from this movie is really just this crazy video of fucking uh, formula just flying around in tech colors like you're fucking high and staring at a math
1: book. It, I was going to say it looks like the lead in into some like. Some computer game you had to play
0: in elementary school to learn what prime numbers are. Yes, uh, when you were in elementary school, because my elementary school didn't fucking have computers, young <laughs> kid. What uh, was it like before the internet, Grandpa? Uh, let me tell you what it was like in the Stone Age when, um, when we had when we only had pagers. <laughs> What's a pager? Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, so. So this movie is grasping at this and trying to explain computers to people and using this amazing imagery. But at the same time, like the Warriors is telling this super fast paced, bam, bam, bam story yeah. uh that you are just deep in. Like, the thing is, is hackers, hackers will never bore you. Like, there's That's a. That's true. It, th- you, it, is, it is physically impossible for you to be bored by this movie. Like, this movie. It is a film in which there's a lot to laugh at in what they get wrong, mm-hmm. but there's no missteps in the storytelling. Like the storytelling is always on point. You're always amused. You fall in love with all of these characters. There's, they're, all of them are are well-written enough that you are just deeply into them, well-acted enough that you fall in love with them. Like, yeah. I mean, we're gonna, we're let, let me just drop this right now. Who's the coolest fucking hacker in this movie? Matthew Lillard. Serial killer? Yeah. Incorrect. The correct answer <laughs> is Lord Nikon. Lord Nikon uh, oh, yes. is the single coolest hacker in this fucking movie. See, and that's my the my My wife has just walked into the room and shaking her head because she thinks Phantom Freak is the coolest hacker in the who's movie. And favorite, he's a close second.
1: Who's your favorite hacker could be a game you play watching Hackers? And that that actually does speak. That is a it, testament to how well they put this, this band of, of misfits together.
0: And you're going to have one asshole in the group that's like, Joey. Fuck Joey. Joey's the coolest hacker. Fuck Joey. Joey saves the day. Yeah. Joey's he the one closest to, to the colonel when they're hacking the Gibson.
1: He's also the person that put them in a position where they had to do that in the first place. Well, yeah, so. because Joey's
0: a putz, but Joey's a putz yeah. who becomes elite. Like, his story <laughs> in terms of the movie like, he's the one who has the real arc. Like, he that's the. Elite. I can't tell if you're intentionally making reference to the movie or if
1: it's infected you to the point that that's just now part of your lexicon. Both. Okay.
0: Both. Because that's the thing is, yeah, you know, both. we start out with our character who are supposed to be following his arc, but really. Um, uh, Crash Override, a.k.a. Uh, Zero Cool. A.k.a. Johnny Lee Miller holding his British accent back like a wolf at the door. Uh, by the way, Johnny Lee Miller in the movie that introduced him to the woman that would become his wife for a few years. For, for four years. Angelina yeah. Jolie. Um, they, this they, is were, where- they were married, to their credit, longer than this movie was relevant. This movie's always relevant. <laughs> Fuck off. This is fucking hackers we're talking about. You just saw it on the big fucking screen. And this I is goddamn it. hackers. But no, um, yeah, Johnny Lee Miller, uh, he's you know he starts out fucking elite, and then he doesn't have access to a computer for seven years. Because- what a weird sentence. I'm just saying, like that. How do you, how do you police that? Uh, you know what? That was that was a thing that happened. There, there was a um there were a number of hackers in the eighties that pulled off big notorious hacks. He was based on on one of them. Um, and what they would they would be on probation. So what would happen is you'd have probation officers randomly stop at your house to check to see if you had a touchstone phone or had a computer. And you couldn't that was the thing, is they limited your computer access. Like that's something that seems stupid now. Um, uh, although there have been a couple of cases in, in various places where people have been denied access to, uh, smartphones or, or computers, but yeah, that is, so he's denied access to a computer or a touchstone phone for seven years. He's about to turn 18. This is the one point I feel they make a misstep in the film. (laughs) You laugh. Sorry, look, what's the one
1: misstep this movie makes? I look, love this movie, but come on, the no, one no, misstep no, that they make.
0: This no, in terms of storytelling. Oh, okay, sure. In terms of storytelling, because yeah, we've already we, we can we can do an entire hour long podcast making fun of everything this movie got wrong about computers and the internet in the future. But this movie, in terms of storytelling, there is one misstep, and that misstep is we see Johnny Lee Miller on the computer. We know he's still a high school student. But he's not a young high school student. And then his mom says, happy birthday. So you assume it's his 18th. It's birthday. his 18th birthday. For his 18th birthday, he has gotten a computer and he gets to play around with a computer for the first time. So he hops on to fucking hack something because that he's, he's fucking zero cool. Because Scorpio however, and later in the film, his mother mentions that he's still underage. And if his parent and and if he's fucking around, he's going to get in a lot of trouble. And then, of course, they do show up and he does have a computer and they don't really care. So whether or not uh, uh, Crash Override slash Zero Cool is under the age of 18 is never actually properly established. And that's the one thing where I think they make a misstep because there's no reason to make that comment about him being underage in terms of the way this movie's made, I feel like that was like an editing, a continuity error or a reshoot that like came together. Like they maybe reshot that bit at the beginning to explain mm. hey, Where did he get the computer? I don't yeah. know. Um, but so that's the one part that it's like, all right, this part doesn't jibe. Like, is he 18 or not? We don't know, but he is a high school student and he is an elite hacker. Yeah. And so he ends up getting falling in with this group of other hackers, because if there's one thing computer nerds do, it's dress cool. If there's two things computer (laughs) nerds do, it's dress cool and go to parties, because that is internet culture. Again, one of the glorious things about this movie is it envisions internet hackers as being cutting-edge cool kids, as opposed to people who sit home. And and this is where where this movie's... Truth meets its fiction is there's that scene where they, where serial killer is pulling out all the books from his bag. Um, one of which would not never fit in his backpack, the ugly read book that doesn't fit on the shelf, um, just magically pulls it from under the table. Um it's a backpack of requirement. Yes, it's a yeah. backpack of requirement. He starts dropping shit on the table and they start mentioning it like, yes, these are all the books we read. And for a moment, we understand how Zero Cool still knows how to hack. Because he because they said he couldn't have a computer, they didn't say he couldn't get the books. Mm-hmm. Where he found out which books he should be reading is up in the air, he but it up fuck on it. The- in inner library. In the inner library. Yeah. So uh, they did say he was never allowed to own a computer. He could have looked it up on a computer at a library That's if that local- actually existed in 1995, which it pretty much did Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Libraries didn't exist in 1995? Computers and libraries oh, okay. didn't.
0: We okay, didn't. We, so, there was nothing really to do on the Internet that you could do at a lot. Li- it wasn't like now where an 85 year old man can go into the library and watch porn. Like, it's not like, uh, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to go to Red Tube while I'm in a public space because that's what I need to do. Yeah. Um, so so there may have been some libraries. So we can assume maybe he went to a library or his school had a computer lab that allowed him to do this stuff. But he knows all these books. Real computer nerds in the 90s sat at home on a Friday night Drinking Jolt Cola—that was the part they got all right. The
1: sugar and twice the caffeine.
0: Yes, uh, um, yes. All the sugar, twice the caffeine. We're gonna say that like it's a good thing. It. Oh, that was Enjoy the selling the heart point attack before your third. Dude, when I was fucking twelve years old, Jolt Cola was the thing that I was mainlining. Like, if that is a surprise to any of you, you have not listened to this podcast long enough. Um, I, I
1: tried to find on the way from the theater to your house. A store that carried jolt coal? Um,
0: Planet K. God damn it. Planet K. All ah. the Planet K's in town. That's where I had to start getting it when I turned 17, and that's how I discovered head shops, was a friend said, you got to go to Planet K. They keep it stocked and chilled. And I went into Planet K, and I'm like, <laughs> what's that smell? Which, which, by the way, And sounds- my friend is like, that's patchouli, and yeah. that is the, not the only thing you're smelling. And that is where I discovered all of these weird hacker books. It's where I I picked up my copy of the anarchist cookbook. Uh, They carried Mao's little red book. It's where I was first introduced to the works of uh, Timothy Leary. Um it was and you would it, it was this it, it, Planet K for those of you that don't live in Austin is our chain of head shops and they carried especially in the 90s all the alterna stuff.
1: Yeah like, and and you can also play Wipeout on on PlayStation at Planet K I'm pretty sure. Uh
0: no you no? could not. Uh, uh they did they didn't have video games they made their own colors. Right, um right. so but yeah they but yeah you could always get Jolt Cola so when I was 17, 18 and 19 that's where I would go to pick up Jolt Cola uh in the bottle because they did not carry the cans Um, I had to have bottle jolt before it finally vanished from stores and I could Mm. no longer get jolt cola Um, it and and from what I hear you can still get it at planet K I'm not entirely sure I believe it but on the plus side you have stopped shaking
1: finally, so that's a good thing.
0: But I I can't vibrate through walls anymore. Yeah, but I
1: will say that something you said about that store, Planet K, sounds like a slogan for junk food cinema, which is it's stacked and chilled. Have you junk never been into a Planet K? Once, no, since I don't you've smoke weed,
0: so of course I don't have into to smoke K. weed to go to Planet K. Planet, K, it's just good. But if it, you helps. Smoke weed. it helps. But it helps. It really helps. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's the head shop. Also, it's the head shop that also carried all the literature and all the oddball stuff. It was kind of like what happens when an alternative bookstore meets a head shop meets a um uh, a, what was it called? The place in the mall that every kid Odd went. Topic. To. No, no, the place Spencer's of, Gifts. Spencer's Gifts. It was it <laughs> was, was like one of the two worst places imaginable in a mall. Yes, and it was like a Spencer's Gifts because that's where you also got all the dirty uh um. Uh, birthday cards. Yeah, that was Spencer's the- gifts can go fuck it Can, can go straight fuck itself. Are, are you upset about all the Trumpkin stuff? No, I
1: just fucking hate that store and have. For you a do long know they time. sell Trumpkin
0: stuff now? Oh, right?
1: that's that's just that's just icing on the shit cake that is <laughs> that is Spencer's, Spencer's gifts. gifts. Yeah, but you know uh, what? Br- that's this where episode we- brought to you not by Spencer's gifts. <laughs> that's where we all got our black lights and our strobes and our plasma balls Great. in the nineties. Great, that's the place where you bought the lights that showed you just how much you masturbated as a teenager.
0: Black lights, revealing things you don't want revealed. Since you never you turn it on when your parents are in the room, and you also don't come on your walls. Like that is like oh, what were you doing in the 90s? I was playing a game that called that black light scared you. I was playing a game called Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I wanna I wanna Hackers, I wanna make, hackers, back to hackers. Snack the Planet! Star snack group. the Planet! Two
1: hashtags for this show, Snack Star the Planet growth. and Stargrove. I want to make two disclaimers before we go any further, because I will be poking a lot of fun at this movie, but as well you should. But I want to bring up a quote. From the plague himself, alias Eugene, alias Fisher
0: Stevens. Fisher Stevens, who gets Fisher third Stevens. billing in this movie. Yeah. Above Matthew Lillard. This is how early in the 90s it is. <laughs> Matthew Lillard is playing fourth fiddle to Fisher Stevens. So many fiddles. The guy the guy who was best known at that time is, oh, he's from the Short Circuit movies. You,
1: he's he's uh, offensive brownface from the Short Circuit movies.
0: Are you nuts coming?
1: Uh, but I want to I quote him in a way that sums up why it is okay for us to laugh at this movie and still love it. The, creed in, the, the credo of junk food cinema in the first place. He has a line where he says, There is no right and wrong. There is only fun and boring. This movie doesn't... It, it, it thinks it's doing everything right. It's getting everything wrong. But it doesn't matter because the one thing it's not is boring. Ever. This movie is so much goddamn fun. And the other disclaimer I want to make, sort of in the same realm. There is so much casual rollerblading in this movie. So
0: much casual. And by casual. By that I mean, people are just. They're they just, never make it. They never like, hey, look, we're rollerblading. Just, it's well, like, how are we getting from point A to point B? Well, we're going to class. We must be rollerblading. Hey, we're going to this club in the middle of New York City. We must
1: be rollerblading. They're just flying around with smiles on their faces like they're not goddamn rollerblading. Like there's a scene in this movie where the homeless are rollerblading. Yes. Yes, this is like a Donald G. Jackson film. There's this is, so much fucking okay. So this is a moment we need
0: to step in. That's and we a need, reference, nerds. We need to talk about the director here. Let's do. Let's do this because Ian Softly is someone who Ian the, them softly was his movies. Ian Softly is a person who, if you just looked at his '90s work, you'd be like, "Oh, oh, he's a fantastic director." The minute you cross Y2K, well, because, you know, when you're talking about his early career, he did Backbeat, which is a great little film about the Beatles uh, before they became big. That's a fantastic movie. Hackers and then Wings of the Dove, which was the example used by people of the classic Oscar bait movie of the 90s. Like if you're making Oscar bait in the 90s, you are making Wings of the Dove. But then you get to 2001, and you get K-Pack. Oh, no. 2005, you get the Skeleton Key.
1: Ooh, wait, you know what? The skeleton 2008, key... you get Inkheart. And we're done. <laughs> I was almost going to defend Skeleton Key until you said the next thing that came out of your mouth. Oh, Skeleton Key is not defensible. Oh I, I, No, it's not. It's not. Not after Inkheart. It's not. No. Yeah, yeah. I could, but I won't because Inkheart. Yeah, a sentence that I because like Inkard is lot. a
0: sentence that shouldn't come out. So like his <laughs> 90s work is so good. And this is like straight in the middle. And I absolutely love his 90s work. Like, I think I think it's all really solid. And I think this is the most visionary piece. I think if there's a piece that he's remembered for, it should be hackers. Because say what you will about how goofy he makes the Internet look. And we will. He makes the internet look pretty fucking cool. It's a rare case of, yes, you're incorrect.
1: You are wholly inaccurate about the actual logistics of the internet. Yes. But you kind of make it cooler than it is.
0: Yeah, because really, what the internet really was at this point and what it is even today to a certain extent is Joey the coffee-swilling, chain-smoking jackass Mm -hmm. who can't figure out his own handle. By the way, handle is our 90s word for the name you chose for your Twitter account. Yeah, Um, He can't figure out what that is, but it's the 90s, and they're not all taken yet, so things like Dr. Doom are still totally within grasp. Like this is this is not the point where you had to add numbers to anything was gonna, or was your just birth say, year. I was just gonna say this is not the era of
1: you go to play Xbox and fucker nuts 69.
0: Yeah it's just mobile. No, like you I remember when I got on noob. when I got on the BBS system, uh, the, there was a popular before the internet was public, there was a popular BBS system called the World War Four Network, WWIV. Um, and it was A series of computers that would call each other every uh, every day or every few hours and and swap information. And that information would be electronic mail and gaming information for these weird turn based games that we would play. And uh, email at this point was measured in hops, the number of computers it took to get to the person you were talking to. And on the World War Four network, I was able to get um, uh, the handle, the stainless steel rat, which there's like 12 of you out there that are going. Oh, yeah, Cargill, you're deep into nerd dump, because back in the 70s and 80s, there was this great sci fi uh, series of books, which is essentially James Bond in space called the stainless steel rat series written by Harry Harrison, which was available in every science fiction collection that you found where you buy one book and you get seven books for a penny. I love that you think there are people who have listened to this show for upwards of two years now. Who don't
1: know you're a hardcore nerd? Like those twelve people are like, oh, it finally clicked for me. People, guy's yeah, people wander
0: deep. into the show every once in a while, and they're like, who the fuck is this Cargill guy? Yeah, he was a guy. I was Harry Harrison. So a stainless steel rat was. It was the. Uh, uh, oh, hey, look, I'm using this obscure reference as my internet thing because it was the '90s, and we thought that was cool. You were swinging your nerd dick around. I was swinging my nerd dick yeah. around, and would occasionally, you're so cool, occasionally on the BBS systems, have people go, oh, you're a Harry Harrison fan. It's like, yes, we are bros um, except bro didn't exist at that term we didn't use that word um, so uh, no in the BBS what we would do is hey let's recreate the script from uh, 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 Monty Python and the Holy Grail oh, from goodness. memory because you couldn't go online and find the script from Monty Python and the Holy Grail at the point like this is the this is how stupid this internet was mm. that this movie is trying to make a movie about Right. Uh, but yeah you could still get names like Dr. Doom or uh, Master of Disaster, like he's like, like Joey's playing around with. Um, But no, most hackers right now are Joey. Like it's, it's, you're just someone who can't dress, who smokes too much, who drinks too much coffee and is just obsessed with looking cool. By the way, the more you talk about young Cargill, the more I understand what zero cool
1: really means.
0: Oh, zero cool. That's kind of, that's. That is actually the truest part of this, this fucking movie is that hackers and computer nerds in the 80s and 90s, we were not cool people we were people who took oh, come now we we were people who took our computer to the same place and hooked it up every sunday afternoon and then copied each other's disks so we could get more games cuz it was the only way to get games in the 80s and we could not wait for computer club because computer club is where we got all our new cracked video games cracked Stop by it. hackers Stop it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, this was not a cool time, which is what's kind of amazing. The reason I talk about this is because uh, hackers, even at the time, was so antithetical to what computers were at the time. Like, it was not a cool place to hang out. Knowing how to use a computer was not something that um, chicks would dig. Uh, It is not something like that's actually one of the most interesting things about the movie, in fact. Another one of those grains of truth of this movie is the reason why Johnny Lee Miller falls in love, you know, uh, um, Crash Override falls in love with Acid Burn, Angelina Jolie. Oh is it just that she's 19 year old Angelina Jolie, hum, who's hum, only hum. whose only credit before this was starring in a movie called Cyborg 2? Yes, that is very, very, very inescapably <laughs> true. And unwatchable yeah (laughs) thoroughly unwatchable like i you will be tempted at some point i want to watch angelina jolie and cyborg 2 because cyborg is a jean-claude van damme movie and hackers is awesome and this falls in the middle of that you will suffer my friend cyborg 2 is not a thing that should ever like consider me your cinematic jesus i have died on the cross for you and watched <laughs> cyborg 2 do not do not pasco do not collect 200 do not watch cyborg 2 no as delusions of as, grandeur on this podcast as as far as anyone is concerned no messianic complex at all not at all uh, mm-hmm. as far as anyone is concerned hackers is where angelina jolie showed up into the pop culture and that's what we're go- that's where we're going to leave it G- and but the reason why To follow to finish that up, the reason why he falls in love with her is not because she's young and gorgeous and has those big bee stung lips. It's because she's elite and she's a challenge to him. And this is this is what what's so great about this is this is classic 90s feminism. This is, by the way, this girl, the object of attraction as, you know, we're going to throw into this movie because it's still the 90s. He's not in love with her because she's hot. He's in love with her because, holy shit, she's fucking awesome. She is an elite She is elite. And and she may be better than him. And she bests him at the beginning of the film. And he tries the rest of the film to best her. And never actually does. In the final admission of the film, it's like I can't believe the guy, the guys said you beat me, and he's like, they didn't. They just knew this was the only way I was going to get a date. Yeah. Like even then, he never bests her, and that's what's hot about her to both him and to the audience. Like she is, she is more brains than beauty, but she brings fucking nineteen-year-old Angelina Jolie to the fucking table. She so is www.hamina.hamina.hamina
1: dot s-e-x-e backslash fic it is ridiculous how gorgeous she is in this movie despite the fact that she at one point is making out with a dude
0: and they both have the same haircut which yeah and that's really and that's. but but they even but that's one of the cool things about this is that the what he has to her is a brain like that's what's cool about this this relationship in this movie is they're both attracted to each other's brains like they're both yeah. like they it's they still fucking fuck each other's brains. it's still fucking young Johnny Lee Miller and young uh, Angelina Jolie so you know in terms of movie audiences we're like these are the two most attractive people in the movie they must gravitate towards one another um, still what's getting them is they are challenged and yeah. they want somebody who gets them. And that's what this whole attraction is. Like, there's that thing where, you know, um he's she's making out with her boyfriend on her boyfriend's motorcycle, and um and Johnny Lee Miller asks about it and says, Who's that? And they're like, eh, it's Calvin or whatever his name is. Um, and it's like, well, what does he do? And and that's where Phantom Freak is like, you're looking at it. He just looks slick all day. Like she's yeah. dating this hollow fucking, you know. Uh, motorcycle outfit like that's just it and that's why she is drawn to our uh, to who is essentially our protagonist even though our protagonist doesn't have much of an arc like seriously the only person who has a real arc in this movie is fucking Joey. Yeah. Joey has true. the arc. Joey starts off as the nerd who wants to be recognized, and by the end of the movie as the guy who helps crack into the Gibson and ultimately steals the garbage file, which he ultimately discovered to begin with. Yeah. It's like Joey should be the star of this movie, but it's like, but then we don't understand what's going on with the two good looking hackers. Yeah. We should focus on them and let Joey kind of just show up a lot. Yeah. And uh and and to as nineties as this is. There's a writer Strong joke in this movie. Like, yeah, he calls him Boy Meets World. He calls, he calls yeah, he calls Joey Boy Meets World, which he looks a lot like Writer Strong at the time. And it's 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 one of those things where if you've ever watched Boy Meets World. Oh, wow. Which I imagine is 90% of the people who listen to this podcast have probably seen at least probably probably know what having a crush in means. Oh, my God. Want to bang a Topanga. Yeah, you I, I, I had know. a feeling we've never actually talked about this, but I had a feeling you were one of those guys who grew up wanting to marry Topanga. <laughs> like she was yeah. on your list of three girls that if I get married when I grew up, I'm going to marry Topanga.
1: Yeah, this this is very true. Uh, But I also want to caution you that if you watch Cyborg 2 and you think it's the worst thing you've ever seen... It's not. Keep in mind there are two other movies in that franchise alone... It's still what yeah. one what, is no, called. No, no they're not. Yes, they're not. There, there are not. Do I just, not no, do this to people. I have to do this because you the third do know one. that
0: Hannibal Montana is going to watch all three of no. these cyborg and sequels. That is his cross. And to cyborg. Bear. cyborg is the best of them, which is like saying getting punched in the crotch three times is the best of what some guy in a fight would do to you.
1: Especially when you consider the fact that the only reason cyborg exists was because they failed to get the Masters of the Universe sequel off the ground. But they'd
0: already built the sets. But it had
1: already built the sets, and they so worked. Like fuck it. Let's make
0: I've got this script called Cyborg. Let's give it to your favorite director, Albert (laughs) Pugh.
1: So keep that in mind when I tell you that the third film in the Cyborg franchise is Cyborg Three, the Recycler. Think about that based on what we just said about the first cyborg. Oh, my God. Yes, the serpent is eating its own tail. Star
0: Grove. Star Grove.
1: This movie, my favorite part of this movie is when the hackers are engaged in this competition to see how much they can fuck with this Secret Service agent. Uh, Richard Gill. Richard Gill to just ruin his life. And they are just going back and forth with like this prank war on him that is so Epically awesome and
0: and it really is and it's very yeah. much this is again this this is the elegance of the storytelling in this film. This is why I admire this film in terms of storytelling so much and while I w- why I will defend it. Here we have the classic competition, and the competition is you know we're watching two characters kind of measure dicks, if you will, except not in this movie because this movie is actually. Quite fucking feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also quite. Um, uh, what, what's the opposite of homophobic? It's uh, oh oh no. It's it's. I guess it's what you call it in this day. This movie, like this, is one of inclusive. those movies. It's a very inclusive movie. What people, some people, would call woke today, woke, woke, is the worth that. Yeah, means, but no, it's we'll got go with a, that. it's got a very multicultural cast. It is very diverse, and it is not afraid to make the woman as good, if not possibly better, than the protagonist. What I found so on that note, what I found very interesting
1: about this movie is that uh, one of the characters, uh, freak is actually, Phantom Freak. Phantom Freak is played by uh, a character na- or an actor named Renoli Santiago, who most of you probably know from the movie Con Air as uh, I love how
0: you leaned you say that you leaned over to me during the movie and goes, "Oh, now I know how he ended he gets, up on the plane." He gets arrested in this movie and I'm like, "Oh, that's how he's on that plane." But his character in we this movie We never see him
1: released. We never see him released. His character in this movie is so much more progressive and quote woke than the gay character he plays. In Con Air, which uh, another podcast referred to as the most racist movie since Birth of a Nation,
0: which I wow. can't agree with if you really think about that Wow. Movie. You know what? I don't think they're wrong, but that's wow. That's crazy. Look, it's such an insane Con Air thing is not a, yeah, There's a reason we have not done a Con Air episode. <laughs> like, Con Air is a movie I love, uh, but because, not a Con kind of, Hey, because Greg wasn't available. <laughs> because Greg wasn't available. haven't done Con Air yet. You know what? By the way. By the way, let's just throw this out there for long time listeners. Yeah, many of you online have seen that there is this crazy thing that happened here in Austin for this event called Caged oh, or Caged Four, depending on whether you put the use the four as the A or not. Um, that where Nicholas Cage came at to a Nicholas Cage Film Festival and watched four of the movies and read some. Uh, uh, he read The Telltale Heart. He read A Telltale Heart know. and did a forty five minute Q and A. Greg is the guy who organized that. Greg is the guy yeah. who's been doing the Caged Film Festival yeah. every year. I went caged, to the very first caged, one. caged 2 un uh, uh uncaged, uh Cage 3D. Caged 3D and then Caged, uh, caged you know forever. With, mm-hmm. Caged Forever. Um he's the one that organized that. He talked to us about that before he, we did his episode when we did streets of fire last month mm-hmm. and it was one of those, or actually it's technically February when we're recording this yeah. like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it would be really cool if we could get Nicholas cage, but I, I don't had think, an inkling. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. Inkling. And he was going to yeah, pull it off. And, this time, And he pulled it off. So for those of you that saw that online, if you, and if you, if you're fresh to us, if you have not been listening to the podcast very long, fresh if you've just death. discovered us and you're like, wait, What? Check out our Streets of Fire episode when we sit down and and talk with Greg McLennan, uh, the guy who fucking scored Nicolas Cage at a Nicolas Cage film festival here in Austin. And neither one of us were there because we're going nowhere slowly. We're going nowhere slowly. Um, Well, it was one of those things where uh, when I looked at it, I was like, you know, this is the thing about these Nicolas Cage film festivals. They're not going to show me a movie I haven't seen already because... I acknowledge the genius of Nicolas Cage, and regardless of whether it's a good movie or a bad movie, in fact, every movie they showed, I've seen. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's true.
1: But I I will say this. Bringing it back to a little movie called Hackers. Hackers? Matthew Lillard in this movie mm. reminds me so much of Nicolas Cage. Matthew Lillard is a very interesting actor. Because he's he's doing that thing that I feel like so many people look at an actor like Nicolas Cage and say, oh, oh, he's terrible. I don't care if you think he's great or you think he's the worst. The thing you can never say about Nicolas Cage is that he is boring. He's he, never boring. He does not. He never disappears he, he, into right. a film. He never. He always makes the most interesting choice imaginable to a performer. And that's what... That's what Matthew Lillard did. Because, again, there is no right or wrong. There is only fun and boring. Yes. And Nicolas Cage is fun, as is Matthew Lillard in this movie.
0: Sadly, Matthew Lillard ended up falling into a rut that he was tied to another actor. Freddie Prinz Jr.? Who was essentially his best friend. Like, you know, he's openly talked about how every time he, he had to prank Freddie Prinz Jr. every time he was on set because they were such good friends. And his favorite was the time he went in and pulled an upper-decker when they were making oh, a movie. God. He went and put it uh, in his trailer. He pulled an upper-decker in his Jesus. trailer. And, uh, like, this is the kind of friends they were, that this is what you would do to each other. Like, this is something you and I wouldn't do to each other. because no, because, because be- it's borderline sex crimes. That's yes. why we wouldn't yes, do it. But but Matthew Lillard did. But there was a point before he was doing Freddie <laughs> Prinze Jr. movies when he was just doing really interesting, crazy stuff. And yeah. this, is, this is arguably his best role. Serial yeah. killer is his most interesting, most likable role. Just a hair in my book below Shaggy. Because like, the yeah, thing is, yeah, is, is really you talk about the Shag. Scooby-Doo movies, as They're bad awful, as they he's are, good. he's the only one that gets them. No, I,
1: I would agree with that 100%. What I find really funny about him playing a character named Serial Killer in this is the movie most people know him from, from is the one where he plays an actual serial killer.
0: Yes, Scream.
1: Yeah. Um, where he's not as interesting as he is Hear me with the phone, Dick! Like, yeah, it just... It doesn't work in that movie because nobody in that movie, including the Jamie Kennedy experiment himself, is as over-the-top and crazy as he is. No,
0: no, they aren't. And you and, can
1: sniff out that crazy a mile away... Here.
0: And he's here. And the thing is, is what's so great about this is serial killer is so over the top and so pathetic and so weird. And he's still fucking cooler than Joey. (laughs)
1: Like, he's still cooler than Joey. I feel like that's going to be the baseline
0: for everything we do from now on. Cooler
1: or not as cool as
0: Joey? Well, that's the thing is, you know, Joey thinks he's cool because he's guzzling coffee and smoking cigarettes and hacking, but nobody fucking respects him because his mother actually probably does dress him.
1: Hey, I'm going to hack all your files. (laughs) Oh, get get no respect. respect. Uh, Um, Yeah, you're going to hear us saying that in future episodes. Like, yeah, but at least he's cooler than Joey. Serial killer.
0: Still, still not as cool as Lord Nikon. Lord Nikon, um, which is my favorite camera. Uh. Of well, all of them. yeah, but yeah. no, that's actually what it's drawn from. Like when we finally see the Lord Nikon
1: because image. they all have their own logos, because if there's one thing yes. you to do as a
0: hacker, it's branding. It's individuality. Well, I mean, hacking, you know, that 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 is actually one of the things that they get right to the. Uh, to the environment, although they go over the top with it. Like, hey, we have our own screensavers with our names on it. Like, no, not everyone is that narcissistic in and hacking. And
1: that's what's so fucking fascinating in the swing and a miss department of this movie is because if you think about what hacking really is now, what is the number one hacking group in the world called? Anonymous. Anonymous! Yeah. This... Team well because of people is the exact opposite of anonymous because they want their names out there. They want to become
0: internet famous. Well because so many people got arrested over the years that anonymous is all about being like not being able to be caught. And yeah. even then as members of anonymous in certain iterations because by the way anonymous has multiple iterations that go from like 18 months to about two and a half years where they completely flip uh, membership. Um, when one of the members of Anonymous got caught, a whole mess of them fled to Canada to go through a what they referred to. And I'm not shitting you an underground railroad of fellow hackers and pro hacking and anonymous members to get them to non-extradition countries. Um, That was a thing that happened because a bunch of this, this particular iteration is not my favorite iteration of anonymous. They're kind of the ones that called a bunch of people out for rape crimes. And one of the ones they got right was right. And the rest were not because Mm -hmm. they weren't as good as they thought they were. Um, Yeah. This particular iteration that I'm talking about um, were the ones that broke open um, uh, Ohio, Steubenville, Ohio, they, they were the ones that released that information, uh, if you remember that case, uh, which you probably should. Um, but And a bunch of those guys ended up flooding, fleeing up north and then going into an underground railroad. But yeah, they were all anonymous because before them, there were people who were like, look at me, I'm Lord Nikon, and the, the FBI shows up and like, yeah, you're going to jail, Lord Nikon. Like, I feel like all of these characters eventually end up doing time for their bullshit uh, but not in this movie they don't because no. and a, a spontaneous this is the 90s and a spontaneous TV reveal oh without gosh. evidence will oh. always solve any problems. Can you imagine
1: like this is the, the like we've talked about Empire Records in terms of these two movies are super Ooh. 90s, super dated. But the real double feature for this movie, in my opinion, is pump up the volume, by the way,
0: by the way. Or you said pump up the volume? You mean you mean hackers? No, no, no. I'm the double feature for hackers. Oh, in my oh. opinion is pump up the volume. Although. Serial killer is essentially very much like the pizza guy from empire records. That's true. like it's right down to the fact that he's selling these cassette tapes, his yeah. mixtapes at the beginning. I, that's one of the reasons I've merged these two films together for so long is because of Matthew Lillard and that rather unknown actor who played the terrible stoner.
1: I believe his name was extra sugar,
0: extra sugar. Yeah. Um, uh, that they're both passing these mixtapes of, of music on to people while they're also taking part in the plot. Yeah. But, like, it's it's very much like you feel like serial killers looking at them going, yeah, I know digital is the future, but vinyl is the way to listen to music. Like, yeah. you're waiting for that one line to come out of, of Matthew Laird's mouth. But, yes, yeah, so Pablo up the So it, can you imagine in our current political climate if all that was required to
1: completely overthrow a tyrant was just somebody going on TV and being like, here's a paltry amount of evidence and I'm outing them. And then literally the government would just be like, well, we're dismissing. Oh my the God, God Donald Trump. Else. You're no longer president Can anymore. You imagine that kind of, of accountability. Can to you be fair, fucking imagine? To
0: be fair, they do. They, they do produce the number and they're like, is this the account number in the we Bahamas? We do know. Arrest
1: him anyway. Like it, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, and you think about that in so many movies, so many movies where somebody goes on TV and goes, actually, guys, here's a photograph that proves that X, Y, Z, and then that is the end of the bad guy. Everybody accepts that. Everybody, the moral compass faces north again. The scales are balanced, and that person
0: is out. And everybody's let out of jail because yes. even though they committed crimes, they didn't commit crimes. What has happened to us? I wish, What? why do I have to wish we were
1: still living in the hacker's verse? Yeah. Why do I have to pine for the glory days of...
0: Of, of of wine and roses and and cyber bits. like what is going on? Okay, so I I need to take a tangent here, and this is We're an important dig tangent. Into the potatoes for a second. Into the potatoes for a second, because Hackers is a movie that I live with almost every day. Like it is one of those like we talk about movies that are very much a part of us and very much a part of uh the why we love cinema. Hackers is very much a thing that comes up in my mind almost every day because the music from this movie is on heavy, heavy rotation in my home and in my phone. Um, What now? there, There are. okay. so Simon Boswell did the music for this movie. I thought Prodigy did the music. No, 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 no. Prodigy was. No, no. This is what this is part of how Prodigy became Prodigy. Uh, and at the time, they weren't even Prodigy. They were the Prodigy. But no, Simon Boswell was the composer for this film and was the music supervisor. And he was the composer slash music supervisor on a number of future junk food cinema episodes. Let me just read this list because I had to actually put it down a list because I knew I could not keep
1: it all straight. I wish I had the top ten list from David Letterman's show right now. To this is dropping. this is pretty
0: close to that. Um, Phenomena, a.k.a. <coughs> creepers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Demons 2. Oh, wow. Har, uh, the Two Richard Stanley movies, Hardware and Dust Devil. Damn. Crying Game, Lord of Illusions, and most recently did the ABCs of Death. Wow. Um he is a guy who's done tons of great junk food. He did a couple mainstream stuff, but you know, this is this is his stuff. In addition to that, he was a producer and a arranger for bands like the Sex Pistols, Blur, Echo and the Bunnymen, Stop, stop. stop you know, that. nobody nobody cool. Stop, you have um, to, You're closing your Orbital. eyes. Orbital. You um I <laughs> mean like this guy this guy was deep into music culture the of the smug levels in this room just went up to Look, critical. look. Just because I just became Jack Black from fucking uh, You probably uh, never heard of these bands. <laughs> yeah. Jack Black from uh, uh, Final sounds so much better. God, what I what I'm of you know, rock? The, the name of the movie. Um, oh, High Fidelity! High Fidelity. Yeah. Yes, I'm Jack Black from High Fidelity.
1: All of a sudden, um, <laughs> I wish I wish you were more like Jack Black from The Jackal,
0: so that I could shoot your arm off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like this guy, this guy has been on the very verge of cool forever, and in this movie, he put. The prodigy on this, the uh, in in three different points on this fucking movie, uh, on this movie, two songs, um, one of them, one love, which is a remix of one love, and then um, uh, voodoo people. Uh, this really kind of brought them into the forefront of the mainstream and their very next album after this was Fat of the Land, which is the the album that you guys know Prodigy from. They dropped the the at that point and became Prodigy and you know them for Smack My Bitch Up and Breathe and Firestarter and these this is the stuff off there, the Prodigy experience um, that really kind of sizzled through the UK but not the US. And so this is... This is a big introduction to a lot of electronic music, just as electronic music is taking over and getting the baton from industrial, which is what, you know, 1989 to 94 really was kind of at the at the forefront. And so this is where electronic music really starts kind of hitting us. And this soundtrack is so fucking good. Like just everything about this soundtrack just pops and it's great so much so that when we saw it, they actually made a pre-show of just music videos of all the songs that are in this movie because they all had music videos and they're all fucking great. This music drives this movie and it's and it's very much like the Warriors in that way where you were just very much carried along by this kind of pop culture wave of what is going on in the undercurrent by what is never going to go on in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And and so Simon Boswell did just such a great job with this movie. And it's like every scene that you're flying through these digital towers that literally these terrible, like not only that, we mentioned the digital towers. They have the digital towers in the computer room, which by the way, another actor we have not mentioned yet, the the security computer security guy, Penn Gillette. Pen Gillette playing a character named Hal, which, which furthers my theory that this is the two thousand one of internet movies. Dude, this movie that, that Hal is not an accident. No, of course not. Like this movie is all about making every computer nerdy reference in ninety four, which Fucking by the way. Phantom Freak is something we talked about in our sneakers episode. The phone
1: freaking, which yes. not like a disproportionate amount of this movie The hacking
0: is just them getting free long distance phone calls, which is what hacking originally started out as like it was just before there were computers. There were phones and people figured out how to get phone calls for free and they would they would freak out the computer systems, the very archaic computer systems that were controlling the phone systems, And you would do that at headquarters and it would please
1: master shredder. There you go. Mm -hmm. What were we talking about? Uh, Hackers. Hackers. Did, is there anything else we need to tap into? Like the fact that they steal the uh, Superman 3 plot before Office Space did? <laughs> the fact that, yeah. The, the worm? The, well, the worm that siphons off fractions of a cent from the oil company. Oh, yeah. The fact that Lorraine Brocco, Lorraine oh, Brock you know is somehow in this movie.
0: There was one small point. Yeah. Look, first of all, Fisher Stevens and Lorraine Bracco, as the villains of this movie, are both chewing up the scenery in they, a way that 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 you have not seen them before. They're going to be, like, gonna be sure- shitting scenery for weeks. They are both amazing actors who are doing some of their worst jobs here. Not only that, but they have, speaking of zero cool, zero chemistry
1: with one another, despite the fact that they're supposed to be fucking in this movie.
0: Although, Fisher Stevens looks really awesome on that skateboard being dragged behind that limo. That shot is kind of fucking awesome. Marty McFly can do it. Fisher Stevens, I'm not sure. Especially
1: since it looks like it looks like what would happen if somebody was Marty McFlying off the back of Patrick
0: Bateman's limo the, the, in that scene. Here's the one thing they did kind of get right about corporate culture, though: <laughs> the skateboarding. No. The fact that the, the companies, that corporations know so little about computers that they'll let just about anybody run their IT department, and and Mr. The Plague, as they keep referring to, to him, even in board meetings, Mr. The Plague um, is in charge of IT, but they're not calling it IT. He's, he is the head of, uh, of computer security. He's the IT department. And <laughs> so when you, when you put that in mind... <laughs> Fisher Stevens is just kind of a crazy narcissistic, like hyper stylized IT guy working with pendulette. I'm just
1: imagining James Bond who calls himself Hal. Hal. I'm just imagining James Bond having to go up against an IT guy. That's what this movie is. That's what this movie is. It really, really is. Oh wait, no, I saw that movie. It was called Quantum of Solace. Oh, um, where they're trying to steal the water and double the price of it. Acid burn on that movie. Oh my God. Hackers is a fucking
0: delight. Can it is just wonderful. Like, the thing is, like, it really is one of those movies, if you've not watched in a long time. Sit down and watch it. You will never for a moment go, why am I watching this? You're going to be eating it up with a fucking spoon going, this is so stupid and so cool at the same time. I want to live in this universe. I want to be brought in as elite. I want to be excited about um, the the amount of BOD that her laptop has. Like the I connection speed of her modem. Uh, BOD back in the day, for those of you that don't, BOD was the rate at which, Your computer could exchange information with another. So, the first modem we ever got was a 300 baud, which, you know, would work on early IBMs and uh, Commodores. And then we got 1200 baud. And eventually, when I was around in the early 90s, you know, the, Basic like the high ends were the fourteen fours, and then we doubled to twenty eight eights, mm-hmm. and then we got fifty four k and fifty four the fifty four point six modems. Holy shit! That's how you flew on the internet in nineteen ninety five and nineteen ninety six. You had a fifty six k and you were just soaring. And this was this was before we had high speed internet. This is this is still dial up. Um, but yeah the bod they mention in there is is so subpar by this day in this day and age that laptop that they're ooing and awing on and staring at the computer the screensaver that they're like ooh that bod would take probably 30 minutes to download a song Mm -hmm. If you didn't have any kind of interruptions on the server end. So you're looking at about 30, 15 to 30 minutes to download a song on her laptop. That's how high tech this laptop is. So these computers
1: you talk about from your youth, were they steam powered or did you just have to start them up with Flint and Stone?
0: Uh, You'd start up the you'd start up the coal with Flint and Stone and then they would be steam powered from that point on. Man, you might as well just jerk off to oil paintings at that point. Uh, no, at that point, jerking off on the internet was not possible because you would download uh, an image of a girl and it would start from the top and so you'd start from her hair and go to her eyes and then down to her face and then down to her chest and if you were lucky, it, it would stop, you know, when, when it stuttered and you had uh, downloading issues, it would stop at about her stomach so at least you'd have something more than a face to stare at. Mm-hmm. You were literally, like, there's there's old old memes that go back about trying to download porn and being stuck. You would never download a video like da- the idea of downloading a porn video in the '90s is unheard of. You were looking at images and you were waiting for those images to load, and they did not load quickly. See, it's not like you kids today, where you click and look at an image. It was oh hey, by the way, you're gonna be waiting about 20 to 30 seconds for this girl to load. Before you unleash yours,
1: uh, but interestingly, there it is. interestingly, the only person who was able to masturbate to internet porn in the '90s was Sting. I don't know why, uh, but it was the ultimate edging experience. Well, that's
0: because he he didn't come for 12 hours, so he Cutting was willing edging. to wait. Cutting edge. Wow, that's kind of a that's even a dated fucking joke. Like are yeah. jokes as are fucking dated, bringing dated as the computer technology
1: in hackers. hackers. This is the end, my friend. We've arrived at the junk food pairing. The form. pairing. Uh, It was difficult, not because I couldn't think of anything, but because the options were obvious. No, no, no. There were so many instances in this movie of people drinking soda, of people eating junk food, of product placement and a half. There's literally a scene where they sit a can of Coke on Lorraine Bracco's shoulder and then turn it toward the camera as if
0: to go yeah are yeah because no, the there was a the bunch frame? of that's what's weird is there's a bunch of coke references in the first half of the film yeah and there's a couple pepsi references in the second and half the people are, are are there's a whole uh there's a, a contentious point about french fries
1: there's a point where the place are mcdonald's
0: a- french fries yes. pointed towards us by the way yes there's there's a
1: point when someone is eating a nestle crunch bar red vines and fucking- is offered offered to the ceo of the yeah. company so There were so many options to choose from, but obviously, uh, as we sowed the seeds earlier in this episode... It better be. It's Jolt Cola. Jolt Cola! Jolt Cola, the official soda of the hacker movement, which has, as we said before, twice the sugar and all... All of the caffeine. Is it, you know, it's all the sugar, all the sugar and twice, and the, twice caffeine. the
0: caffeine. Um, and, and, and it really didn't matter. Like it was just, it was literally just like drinking sugar. Yeah. it's, um, it's download then the being drink, wired and vibrating through a wall. Yes. Download this drink to your system and watch your heart explode. It's it should be in order to drink Jolt Cola properly. It must be watched with night flight like you cannot you get drinking that without ending your day watching night flight is just doing the 80s wrong. I feel like we don't need abstinence only sex education
1: programs if we just bring Jolt Cola back. Uh, That's the that's all we really need. And not only that, but thank God the FDA stepped in and said, this is dangerous, and we never had something like that happen again. Oh, wait, Four Loco existed. Shit.
0: Four Loco is not. By Four Loko the way, is the evolution. F- by the way, Brian the Four Loco hands. Yeah, no. The guy true. who once decided to do a, a, a duel with another friend named Brian, where you taped two Four Locos, old school Four Locos, by oh, the way, school. to your hands and could not stop until you finished. Yeah. And by the way, you both made out with your metal Robocop poster. In my defense, there is no defense to Brian the Poor logo. Hands. Hold on. I'll think of one
1: uh, there is no no
0: what you did that is the single most ridiculous thing you've ever done and also the time when when Hold Brian on. tossing was the worst Hold on I will think of the something. annual tradition at New Year's where I had to turn you on your side so you could vomit onto the floor so you didn't choke on it um, you know I mean this was the time of all the Brian's that have asphyxiated on their own vomit man <laughs> <laughs> see those of you man. out there think we're exaggerating
1: no, no this no. is a real thing that happened it hasn't happened for several years, but it was a trend for a while. There was
0: a point during your 20s when New Year's Eve was not a time that you were friends with Brian and did not turn him on his side. It
1: was not a time for moderation. There was a time. I don't know how we got on this topic, but (laughs) still.
0: Stagro, because you brought up Four loco, which did. you never should ever do yeah. again. Because wow. we're going to tell this story every time you bring up Four loco oh, on God. any episodes. Oh God! I'm so Brian, bad. Four Loco hands—you take so two full bad. toys of Four loco to your fucking hands, you moron! Jesus, yeah. how are you still here today? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember a lot of you. Uh, that that is that so night. stupid. Nick Robinson would give you a high five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, can we get any more inside baseball? Probably not. Uh, at
0: Nick rob on twitter if you're not following at nick
1: rob you are not one of the true hollywood hipsters thanks for listening to junk food cinema before we go i realize i haven't done this but i I made a promise to do so so i wanted to throw out a special thank you to michael buck who was our latest ten dollar uh, pledge on patreon. Oh, hey Mike, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh you have no idea with the the things that are coming up in my life. How much I appreciate
0: your support. Oh my god, you keep Brian's lights on and Brian's got a bun in the oven so you're yeah. keeping the oven on keeping too. Keeping the oven on. That's weird. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's a weird thought, but it's yeah. not wrong.
1: It's it's you know, it's weird to talk about in succession.
0: Four loco hands, and then Brian's going to have a And Brian being a father, yes. Yes, if there's anyone in the world that doesn't feel a slight bit of discomfort about this, Mm. he's kind of sitting over on this fucking couch on this fucking podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway. uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want (laughs) to listen to more of me completely
1: reevaluate my entire life, iTunes and Stitcher, the Junk Food Cinema back catalog. You can also find us on Twitter, at Junk Food Cinema. Like the podcast, Facebook.com, slash Junk Food Cinema. And, of course, becoming a patron, Patron... Patreon.com slash junk cinema. where
0: can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at massaworm on twitter.com. That's M A S S A W Y R M. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash massaworm. All right. You can
1: find me on Twitter at Bry Guy Salisbury. My Facebook page is facebook.com slash Brian Salisbury Critic. Or you can also find me at No More Loco, which is my uh, help group for people who addicted to the original four loco. That's not a real thing. But before we go, I just want to remind you that in all things, in all walks of life, no matter what you're up against, remember to always...
0: Hack the planet! planet!